welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. We made it. Uh, so I, I literally just ran in in the pouring rain from the food store and I made it here. So um, I'm waiting for people to, to sign on because otherwise I'm just talking to myself. And this light looks terrible because we don't have the light ring this week. Um, Tracy Pinter's on there. What's up, Tracy? Uh, Sylvie? That's an interesting name. I thought that said Sylvia at first. Hello, Miss Man. Uh, I think that's actually, I don't know. I shouldn't be presumptuous. Uh, Allison, how are you? Tiffany Tran, what's up? Caitlin Berger, Amy Roberts, Maria Vaughn. Maria Vaughn, I love your dog picture in your uh, profile. Looks like the beast a little bit. Um, what's up, Justin? Patrice? Patricia? Patricia? I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, that's a lot of people. Hello, 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 hello. Ryan, Ari, Taylor, Ansley, Jasmine. Fadime? I think I got that right. I'm going to say I got it right. Um, I was just saying that I just literally ran in from the food store. Like I was, I like was at Wegmans and everyone was there, even though it's pouring rain out. So I'm glad that I made it. So uh, yeah, I'm just going to let people tune in here. Here's my question for you uh, while I'm waiting is what did you do? I'm also waiting for the not so secret wave. She's making dinner. Um, what is your newest kind of upgrade or like, what have you done to your classroom this year that you're the most excited about, right? So that's uh, that's kind of what I'm wondering about. Um, my classroom is still in like production mode. It's not completely finished. And that's kind of like, I feel like that's teaching, right? I feel like when I first started teaching, my wife would say things like, uh, are you finished? Are you done planning? Are you done work? And I thought, I'm never done work. Like I'll never be done. There's always something that I could do. There's always something... I could focus on or um or like tweak or something like that it's never done so i'm wondering like um a lot of people don't know how to pronounce my name you got it well who would have thought who would have thought because i don't usually get anyone's name um and the other name fadime uh it says it's pretty close nice um so what is something that you have been working on um i did a bunch i so first of all my students walk in this year and they're like reynolds you didn't change anything in your room this year i'm thinking what are you talking about i have a giant promethean board it's like the biggest tv i ever saw in my life on my wall i did all these accent colors in my room i like customized my shelves and stuff and like to hide wires um i have a bunch of pads now someone gave me like a bunch of like rocking chair like seat pads and then i put them in different places in my room so that's like a little bit softer to sit in there and i have a bunch of other plans because my wife didn't know that i wanted curtains and then she was like dude i can totally make curtains for your room and i was like yes so let's see what we're talking about and then we're going to jump into questions in just a moment um so if you have a question you can throw it in there now um i am going to do that in one second um, and then I want to talk about uh, Teachers Connect in just a second. And so we're going we're gonna to jump right into it. But um, Ryan said, I'm constructing a word wall, kind of basic, but vocab deficit is real with my kids. Me too. I'm trying to like upgrade my whole vocab situation this year. And I've gotten some really good emails from people with things to help. Uh, this year, I scaled back in decorating just a few motivational posters. And I plan to showcase student work more. That's cool. Like, look, I think some people go overboard. Like, I like overboard for my room but you know it's just like a house like some people have a lot of stuff and it looks cool some people have a lot of stuff and it looks junky um and some people just have that simplistic flow and it and it makes you know i don't know you look like mr miyagi's house or something like that um stephanie henry what's up uh i saw your text and i did not get back to you but um what is a promethean board promethean board is essentially um is it a samsung what was the tablet we had before? Do you remember? Oh, ours was a Google, but it's an Android. Based. Okay. It's an Android based, like, like it's essentially like a giant TV on your wall that's touchscreen and they're dope. I played with 
that is deep because you connect to your Google Drive, you can download the Netflix app, you can download um, YouTube. Uh, and so you can hook like HDMI cords up to it. So we played Fortnite when I had my kids there and Mario Kart, which was just fun for no reason. Um, but the, the thing I love about it is it creates a bit of more of an interactive room. And I've never had technology like like lights in my classroom is the most technology I've ever had. But this gives you that opportunity to like be a lot more creative in that space um, and get kids out of their seats and moving around and stuff like that and just changes things up. And I like I like just adding like a freshness to this. Um, Jasmine Hill saying it's my first year in the classroom. So my students are creating metaphor posters on five by seven canvases. Oh, that's actually a really cool idea. I hope to decorate the wall with them. Yes. Um, hi from Baja, Mexico. What's up? Nunez, because that, Saranara? That's actually really beautiful, even if I'm saying it wrong. Um, who else is on? I'm just trying to, I see Richard Royster. I see uh, my friend Frank Short. Frank, I don't even, I'm not probably saying your last name right, but um, that is the gentleman behind, one of the great minds behind Teachers Connect. Um, and with that, are you looking for stuff? All right, and I'm going to shout other people. I'm, I'm going to go through and like read people's room stuff too. But um, I do want to talk about Teachers Connect. And here's why. See, here's what I think is interesting. I was noticing this week. So I'm, I'm on Teachers Connect. And that's a, like an online platform for, for, for educators to share ideas, ask questions in like a safe space. However, this week, I saw a couple of people on there that ask questions like someone just like the school, you know, the schools do this every once in a while, like it's the day before class starts. And they're like, oh, by the way, you're teaching science. And the, the individual on there whose name I don't remember, and it's not important, but like um, they, they didn't know what to do for science. They had no idea like how to implement that. So the school gives them like their, their curriculum and it's kind of weak and it's not really telling them exactly what to do. So this dude like just asked on there what people could could do and no one had answered him yet. And now to be honest, I don't know when he asked it. Like it was in the newer page. So it might've been like an hour before, but I really, I wanted so badly to like connect with someone. So I was actually on there like looking for science teachers that I could like shoot that question or be like, hey, yeah, could you like give the student a little bit of help? He's first year teacher. He has no idea what he's doing. School starts tomorrow and he's not sure what to do. So um, that made me think of, I saw this other question by a young lady named Alexis. And she's with this question went out to secondary history teachers. And so I'm going to pose it to you. So if there's someone has a good answer on here, if someone has a connect, um, I can connect you with her or just like direct her towards the conversation. Uh, and I have a little bit to add to this also. So the question is this, how do you decide, are you laughing at me? I'm laughing at your mustache. Oh, Sorry. should we talk about my No, go finish. I'll talk mind. about my mustache in a minute. Now it's, now the cat's out. Sorry. Minute. I brushed my teeth with charcoal toothpaste today. It's disgusting. It makes a mess in your bathroom. You look like venom. Then I thought it would be funny if I rubbed it all over my face and made a mustache and tried to kiss my children. It doesn't come off all the way, and I'm not sure how to handle that now because now my mustache is much darker than you. I mean, I think it actually makes it just look thick and lush. It does, but, but my I wife is freaking out. Like I look like Sam Elliott over here, which isn't a bad thing. He's very handsome. No, dude. you don't look like Sam. I don't look like Sam Elliott. If only. All right. So anyway, Alexis on Teachers Connect was saying, secondary history teachers, how do you decide the most important pieces of content knowledge for students to learn? My state standards are okay starting point, but I do have trouble narrowing it down to all the available sources. And my uh, homie Richard Royster did answer this question, but I'm wondering, um, how, do you, how do you figure out what you're going to teach? Like, where does that come from um, when the standards just kind of are the starting point? And my answer to her was, I would ask and see what your students are interested in and then reverse engineer that like what so if your students are interested in i don't know um i'm trying to think of something that's relevant right now that's going on so let's say the nike ad that came out right everyone's talking about this nike ad and like 
What does it say? People are burning their Nikes. Like, can we scale that back and talk about the historical significance of that? And, and it's obviously going to be through your eyes, right? Like, but you can prove that. Um, or if you want to talk about the current administration or the fact that, like, the idea of fake news, right? So um, your mom is calling you. Um, so, yeah. So you're clearly not watching the live feed right now if you're on there. But the idea of fake news or any of these other, like, hot topic uh, things in history, how can you scale those back? And then how can you create a unit? out of that. I just think that that's cool because it's it makes something really relevant for the students. Do you have a question for me or did it go away? You had a question and then your mom called you and then it disappeared. Okay. Um, oh. <laughs> you're, now you're almost cursing. Now you're going to get us demonetized. Now I'll take, I'll take a second. Um, so I'm going to jump into, I see one right here. So I'm just going to answer it. Cool. Or do you have one? All right, yeah. I'm going to try. I'm going to try and have faster answers tonight because I go I too long sometimes, and I want to get to more. I'd rather have more answers quickly. Uh, top one, mm -hmm. Rebecca Waltz. Where, I always ask you if it's the top one. Where do you get your motion sensor lights for your floating shelves? Amazon. If you go on any video of mine on YouTube, I have a link to my Amazon store, and like we make money off of it. I've actually never gotten a paycheck from Amazon because I'm not like selling mad stuff, but. The reason I made the Amazon store was because it has all the stuff I mentioned in my videos that I use in my room, um, from stationary to, to camera, camera gear and stuff like that. Uh, it's all linked in there. So go to any you, uh, Real Rapid The Reynolds video, and in the bottom, you'll see a link to my Amazon store, and it'll take you right there. And they're really cheap, and they last a long time because they're motion center. So they turn off. You don't have to like, click them on and stuff. Uh, what do you got? Next one? Gareth. Leany, I'm going to say. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Hi, Reynolds. I just uh, I just started my teacher training in the UK. Nice. Um, that's where my people hail from originally. Uh, what do you have? What have you? What? Oh my gosh, I'm doing I'm doing a bang up job of reading here tonight. What have you learned that you wish someone had told you when you first started out? I think remembering to have fun is is like overlooked like it's such a serious job we take test scores so seriously we take um relationships with the students we take all this stuff really seriously but to just laugh to just like have something that's funny to laugh along with the kids and to know that like you know maybe silence is golden but like just taking a moment and being grateful for the fact that like you have a job this is awesome you're you've made it you are in front of children you're doing what you always wanted to do and now don't be so worried about losing that situation but rather like what are you um what are you excited about and then kind of lead with that like just have some fun when you're in there and it won't go like kids won't see you having fun and then like take advantage of that and start acting wild it's like sorry right. it's okay to laugh sometimes and to just have some fun and it makes your day better as well I spent the whole first day of seniors being back, like teasing kids um, in like a good way because it just makes it a, a better environment to be in. Trevor L is asking, good evening rounds. Got a question. Um, what are your thoughts on culinary arts being taught in high school? Uh, so that's a good question. Because culinary arts like wood shop and metal shop and home ec, which is kind of like culinary arts, kind of seem like they're not that useful, right? Because we are, they're, they don't help you on the test, right? Like uh, they don't, I don't know if they help you get into college, but I teach a class called the history of hip hop. Like that's not helping anyone on the test either. But what it is doing, I think, is it's creating, my, my good friend, Rob Boscom at school, and just use his full name, sorry, Rob, um, said the other day that the reason he loves English so much is it's because it's the department that creates magic in classroom. And that idea of magic in the classroom, having actually having the audacity to teach something that kids want to learn that they're excited about and that you can like teach skills and lessons through, that's all we're doing anyway. That's what I'm always preaching is like, how can you take what kids are listening to? How can you take what they're watching, what they're interested in in the news, what they're interested in in the world, and then gear that into into something that relates to your content right you're making it more relevant so i think teaching culinary arts in school is rad because you might have a kid that hates school but they think cult, that culinary world is super dope and that might 
make them show up every get a reason and then connecting it to all kinds of other stuff and maybe have them reading books and maybe have them thinking about math in a different way because it's like um something that like is like matters now so i just i think it's rad uh i think okay thanks thanks buddy um the more you grow is asking howdy reynolds i've watched a ton of your videos my question is how uh, is what's some advice for new teaching students about to start teaching? Kind of have some anxiety about not knowing what to expect. So I would say this. Um, first of all, thanks for watching my videos. I appreciate it. Um, I never take that lately because it's amazing that people watch stuff. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of options out there. Is what I'm saying. So I would say, um, first of all, tomorrow is my first full day back. Right, like we're from beginning of the day to end of the day. Last week was all half days and only Wednesday through Friday. This afternoon, I was still getting like anxious about it. And so I think one of the things that for me that kills that anxiety is one, just accept it. It just happens, right? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? No one's going to catch on fire in your classroom probably tomorrow. Probably. Um, there could be some kind of Bunsen burner incident and just be careful and be ready. And I think that lends itself to the other thing, which is be as prepared as you can. And then just like know that because when you're super prepared, when you know what you're going to say when you come in, what's going to happen next, what you're going to have the kids doing, what your expectations are, you don't have to be like, you're not just winging it when you get on in the front. I almost said on stage because teaching is like being on stage. You're prepared. You have the next thing is already ready and you have something to kind of almost like fall back on. So that's what I think is uh one of the best things I, I could say to you. Um, and then know that like there's it, the work's never done. So even when you're preparing, like when it gets too late, like build in and out for yourself and say like, look, this is not, if it just takes longer than eight o'clock, then like it's not getting done. And that's all right. Like it'll be okay if you build that out, out for yourself, because I think chunking that time um, really helps anyway. Like when you give yourself a set amount of time, I've talked about this before. I think it's Parkinson's law says that a task will take as long as you give it. And so if you only give yourself two hours, you're going to get a lot more done in two hours than you think. First, your teacher, maybe not, maybe it takes you all day Sunday, but like make sure you build that time in for yourself. Uh, I'm going to, I am, I am, um, the wife for life is in the uh, kitchen making dinner. And so I'm fending for myself for a moment. So let's see how this goes. Just incredible studio says, hi, CJ. I'm a student for game design, but I would like to teach in high school. I would like to teach it in high schools, but I don't know if I should get, if I should go for a degree in technical education or regular education, any advice. First of all, I think that's awesome. I think here's, I'm not, I don't have an answer for this question, but I know the guy that you need to ask. If you go see my homie, Mr. Matera, on his channel, like uh, M-A-T-E-R-A, he wrote a whole book about gamification and like teaching games in the classroom, teaching through gaming. Uh, hit him up on his YouTube channel or his email address is on his YouTube channel. Um, a lot of times he's even on here. He would be, he's the guy to ask that question to. So see, I don't always have the answers, but... You don't have to have the answers all the time. What's up, lady? You just have to know the guy that knows the answer. Um, wait, I'm floundering here. I have to find my own questions. Uh, Ari Flores is saying maybe implementing the use of technology. Oh, this is her classroom thing, I think. Maybe implementing the use of technology in the classroom as my students have access to Wi-Fi and Chromebooks. Um, we can make research projects in class without interactive, which is interactive for them, and we can make posters. Yes, you can do all kinds of cool stuff. If So here's what I, if your kids have Google, if they have Chromebooks, um, look through things like uh, like Google app extensions, and there at ISTE, we learned a ton of cool stuff. There's so much great stuff out there for all different kinds of learners. So that way you can kind of like sometimes give a menu of things you want kids to work on. Um, and then through that menu, like they get to pick kind of like what is their jam or what suits the kind of student that they are. F Weber is saying, hi, Reynolds. I began watching your videos recently. Awesome. Welcome. 
I am looking into teaching high school or middle school history or special ed. How should I narrow down my interests? I will say, as an English teacher, English and history teachers are kind of a dime a dozen, right? There are a lot of us around. If you teach special ed, first of all, it is my total heart um, that I like. If I could go back, I would 100% do special ed because I just, because you're shining a light on the kids that are, that are often not don't have a light shown on them. And I don't mean that to diss any other kids, but like um, they're either forgotten or it's so specialized. Uh, there's not, and I don't know if you're a man or a woman, but like, there's just like, in my experience, there's not a lot of men in the special ed space. And so teaching at an all boys school, I've seen both men and women do fantastic things at my school. So it's not like a one sex is better than the other, but I just, I like for kids I appreciate when there's a diversity because it lets kids see different types of people doing different types of things. Um, like my kids have never had a male teacher before. And I just think oh, that's, that's not true. Um, do Mr. they have, Oh, Mr. Daly, Mr. Daly is the best. Too. And he was special ed. Oh, any special ed. Yeah. So that's maybe that's why I like that dude yeah. so much. Um, that's it. So that, that's just food for thought. Like, and then, um, so you want to enter, like, where's your heart is what I would go with. Like, what are you going to be the most, if you're super stoked about special ed, then do it. Um, but if you're not, then it might, it might lose its luster after a while. If you really like well, history. And, and I would note, because especially for special ed, you, I think all teachers are met with a lot of resistance, but special ed in general, it's, there's literally your hands are tied in a lot of areas with your students. Yeah. So you really have to be passionate about. Yeah. Uh, Brenda, how you were just talking about Brenda? Mm-hmm. I haven't, Brenda, uh, to Brenda, I don't know how to say your last name. Delvecchia? Yeah. Am I, is that right? Yeah. It looks complicated. It's not. Um, <laughs> I haven't, like, I haven't, like, seen your name in a while. And, like, uh, I was just talking about you the other day. I am three weeks into my co, uh, in, and my co-teacher is still, has still not been hired. I know a little bit about that, Brenda. Um, any tips for making the transition when he or she starts? Yeah. Uh, I would say, so in the times that I've had that, I, you know, here's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to whether you kind of jam with that person or not. Also, like I've had co-teachers that, you know, I want to back them more than anything, but then they'll do something so frighteningly wrong that you're like, dude, I cannot, I can't help you out with this. Like you're making bad decisions or you're screaming at kids and it's like, you know, or you're in the back, like literally picking on students and getting them riled up in a class that does not need anyone riled up. It's like, it's like messing with a sleeping puppy. Like now, Oh great. The puppy's awake. Now he's running around the back of the class. Um, but I would say, tell them, I would say like for me, how excited I am that they got hired, how excited you are to work with them, how, um, how you feel about your job, how you feel about the year, I would just lay on all of that stuff because that's probably not what they were expecting. And when people feel welcomed and cared for, they're going to like feel more like able to, to share what they are thinking, what they're feeling. And then I would just start by planning like, Hey, here's my lesson plan for the next week. This is what we've been working on. Have you done anything like this before? How, how would, is there any way that you would sort of like, ramp it up to make it um more exciting like that kind of stuff is is kind of where i would go with that uh but like making them i would i just think making people excited about where they are or letting them know they can be excited um makes things a lot more fun and and a lot better for the students evan marshall is saying hey reynolds any opinion on the job corpse for one of my ed classes we had to spend a few days observing there uh I forget, Evan, I forget what that is. Could you say in the comments real quick and then I'll answer that question? Oh, did you say something already? No, but I'm just saying I can't pay attention. I forget what I, oh, because you're looking for something else. All right, do it. Um, I just forget what that is. And I think I know, but I, because I think my students do something like that. Um, And then I'll answer that question. Jade Dobson is asking, uh, how did you get into teaching the history of rap? Did your school have a class already in place or did you, or how did you arrive at that idea? So, my now principal, um, former teacher who's teacher in the school before he was the principal, had a class about, he called it something else, but it was essentially like the history of video games and how video games came up from Pong to Donkey Kong to Mario to VR stuff. And 
the math behind all of that. And it was fascinating, like so fascinating that it was taught in my classroom. I would sit in the back of the room and every day I would just be like planning at my desk, but I would get pulled into what he was talking about. And then I would want to know more about it and because I thought it was awesome. And at the end of the year, the school was looking for electives and they were like, look, we'll take anything. Like, what do people want to teach? And I thought, what, what things do my students really love outside of video games that, that most of them are into? And it's either hip hop or, um, or sports. And I don't know anything about sports, but I did know about hip hop. So I just started reading like every book I could that summer and listening to podcasts and reading interviews and stuff. And so I knew more about hip hop than anybody in the school. And then the school let me do it. So the official course is like, um, it's, I, I call it the history of hip hop. They call it hip hop and poetry. Cause it has to sound, I don't know, more collegiate or something like that. But, um, it's basically the history of hip hop. And that, so that's how we learn it. And then we learn all kinds of cool stuff through the lens of hip hop. Pranav, who oh, Pranav Chaudhary. I think I, I think Chaudhary, I think one of those is right. Have you ever thought about bringing back teacher talk live? Um, I, ha you know, I have thought about it. So for people that don't know, we used to do this program called teacher talk live where on weekends, um, I forget what night we even did it on, but like it was me and another educator online. The problem with that is there are no good platforms right now to have two people on at the same time. Google Hangouts is this weird thing where I'm talking and then as soon as you cough, your image pops up on the screen and it goes away. And then it pops up on the screen when you say, uh-huh, and then it goes away. And we were using uh, something called BeLive, which was only on Facebook. So I could, and it was a great platform, but you can't use it on YouTube. Then we were using, what was the other one? You now, which was like super glitchy. And like, if people didn't have good internet, it was a problem. And that was the other thing. Like there were folks that like, when I had folks on from Arizona for like, uh, I'm, who am I thinking of out there? Appeals and tiaras and one happy classroom, like their internet. I don't know. I don't know about Arizona and their internet, but like it was very glitchy and it was, it just was problematic. So if a better platform came up, I would a hundred percent do it because it's really fun. There is but one on it's, YouTube, but you have to literally know how to like code and we just don't. Oh, uh, my wife said there's one on YouTube, but you have to not code and I don't know how to code. So it's not out of the question. Mm, sorry. Go ahead. You were answering questions. That's all right. I can wait for you. Jenna Wilson is asking, uh, hey, Reynolds, I'm a second year high school Spanish teacher in Boston. All right. Um, how do you deal with feeling like my content last year wasn't good or my content last year wasn't as good as I want, uh, but I also don't want to reinvent the wheel? I think that's a really great question. So when you're first year teacher, you do something and you're hoping that all those lesson plans are going to like go into the vault and you're going to be able to pull from them the next year. Sometimes tweaks in your content are all you need. You don't need to recreate the wheel. I, I think that too many teachers make teaching way too complicated to begin with. So like there are all these books on like, and I'm not like, I, look, I don't know enough to say that like this stuff doesn't exist. But when you stand in the bookstore, there's like how to teach math to African-American kids, how to teach math to Asian kids, how to teach math to girls. It's like we want to make things so complicated when like the best way to become a better reader is to read more. Now, look, I am not saying that like students that have dyslexia or, or dysgraphia or any number of other processing like issues like that is real. But for the vanilla kid, it's like just getting them to read more. How do you get kids to read more? You make reading more interesting by getting cool books or like whatever. So I just think sometimes we can make things cooler by just tweaking them. Um, and so I would look for the parts you didn't care for or the things that you knew the students didn't like. And I do a, two things. One, ask your students like what they want to do in class. Do they want to do projects? Do they want to do, and what kind of projects do that, does that look like? Group work, building something, making something in class, working on a computer, like what kind of things do they want to, to pull from uh, or learn about? And then 
look for those parts that lack in your lesson plan and then look things up. So maybe you did something on the Great Depression. Look up an amazing Great Depression lesson plan because only the people that have an amazing lesson plan are going to say, I have an amazing lesson plan. And that really works. And if you just write DOC after whatever you're Googling, it lets you, and this is a trick that I didn't know, that shows documents. So if you're using a PC, you already have a downloadable document that you can tweak and pull from and copy and paste things to or from. Um, and that just helps a lot too. So it's not a PDF and you don't have to go through that becomes a nightmare. But that's kind of what I would do. Do not feel like you have to redo everything. But maybe there is like one or two chunks that you throw out and recreate that because what you're doing is like over time, like now that this is my 13th year in, um, I have tons of stuff to pull from because some years kids are super down with doing projects and some years they're not. They're like, no, I just want to work independently. And so you get what you're doing is like creating sort of a vault that in years to come, you'll be able to pull all kinds of stuff. It's going to look like the Batcave in there and like you'll have all kinds of cool stuff. Um, Andrew Potterus, Potterus is saying, what do you think about the ongoing student debt crisis going for many potential teachers and educators? Look, man, I am a teacher and I don't make what I think I'm worth, but I do work. I do the work that I do because it's, you know, I love it. And like, that's how they get you. I think they like get you to love the kids. And then they're like, you will work for less. Um, I, I it is talking about like student debt, like college debt. Yeah. Oh. I just think that it's such, it's so difficult to set people up with student debt when they are. And, and then like so many schools are requiring masters to teach there. Now also when you're get a job that you, can't pay that much. Like when you work in Oklahoma and you literally cannot pay your student debt down, like you can't pay those student loans on it. It's insane. Um, and especially like, I think when you teach in schools that are like uh, a little bit more difficult, like if you teach in some inner city schools, like I just think that there should be some forgiveness for that or like a little bit of help. That's why I always push kids to go to community college if they can, and then finish with the four-year degree because they can either go for free or they can go for way cheaper and like save that money um, instead of like feeling like you have to go away. Like we keep selling kids this idea that they have to go away to a four-year school and live there and have the whole college experience when like, you know, you're going to pay for that like later. You're really, really going to pay for it. And and I'm not sure it's always worth it in, in hindsight. Um, Justin Hayden is saying, while you're on the subject, any tips for co-teaching in general? Um, so my video that's going to come out Tuesday, I think, um, I had a really quick conversation with my co-teacher who started last year halfway through. You're giving me a look. Feel it. Oh, okay. Um, I, I was like, did I say something wrong? Yeah. He, my, my friend Ed is co-teaching with me this year. We taught part of the year together last year, and then we have two classes this year together. So I'm stoked to like work together um the way i think and we, we haven't really hashed this out all the way yet but i feel like it's because we're co-teaching and he's co he's teaching two other classes with someone else and then he's teaching another class on top of that this sat prep class maybe two of those um i think of myself as like the main planner and then i go to ed and i say here's my lesson plan for the week this is what i'm thinking about what would you like look it over and like, give me some feedback. And then we kind of hash it out from there. So it's like, I don't know, I'm telling him what we're having for dinner tonight, but then he can say, all right, but this is how we can like spice it up or change it or do this thing, or this might be better. And we just keep having those conversations and they're fun. Um, so it's, you know, that's kind of how I'm looking at it this year. The other way I've done it in the past is sometimes we split things up if you wanted to look even. So like, my co-teacher would like maybe do vocabulary and like the writing prompt at the beginning of class. I would teach the meat of it. And then while one's teaching, the other one's like moving around the room, connecting with students, building those relationships, making sure everyone's on point. And that seemed to work really well too. Uh, Abby H is saying, have you, I have been binging your teacher videos nonstop. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, thanks. It says that not, all right. So, uh, that was, that was weird. How do you bring in business writing and, pre, uh, and presenting activities more 
into my literature, world American class without feeling forced? How do I bring in business writing and presenting activities? I think, you know, make it, I, I feel like I'm, I'm ringing this bell a lot, but, and I don't mean like if I say a lot of the same thing, but I think it's important. Find stuff that your kids are interested in, right? So like, uh, and then kind of teach through that. So like, I would look at any number of, um, so like maybe connect what you have to learn through that, that business writing and then find someone that's doing that, like an, a current entrepreneur, like, you know, I think of Gary Vaynerchuk, but that's a lot of entrepreneurs um, or something like, how can the kids write a proposal for something like Shark Tank? And then you have other students in the classroom that are like in charge. They're like the, the sharks. And then somebody has to come in and present. So you got to think about the persuasive skills and how you're presenting what you're saying, that you're not just standing there or doing the pee-pee dance that all kids like to do when they stand in front of a room and present. Um, I would just think about how you could possibly make it relevant and maybe bring in to your class like some business folks or some entrepreneurs that are from your area to talk to the kids about the, the fact that this is actually important. Like these are skills you're actually going to need to have if you want to do business. And I think that makes it more relevant. It makes you look cool, especially if you can get someone cool. So I would just reach out to folks in your own neighborhood or maybe ask folks like at your school if they have any connections for people you could bring in to speak to your students about that. Uh, Nayara, uh, Great uh, comment on my video last night, by the way. I really appreciated that. Um, says, hey, Reynolds, I'm working on a project with a teacher who doesn't mind taking taking hours during our meetings. I think I know what that means. So they take a really long time if you're having a meeting. Oh, I know those people. Um, I totally don't mind working late, but this project is lower on my priority list and high on hers. So I would block it out. So if I, oh, okay. Second part is, how can I ask her to be more efficient with our time without seeming like I don't want to do this project? I would say, I think some people just don't think about that, those sorts of things. And I know, I've known teachers that like have done that with me. I've known viewers that from YouTube that were having a really hard time. I would say, Hey, let's do a really quick phone call. And then in the beginning, I would get on the phone with people and I'd be on there for like two hours and my kids are like starving to death. You know, I hear them in, in the kitchen like, Dad, we're, hungry. we're so hungry, we're going to die. And I'm like, all right, all right, I need to cut this off. So now what I do is that I'll gauge the problem ahead of time and I'll say like, hey, I have 20 minutes for a phone call. Would you like to just do a quick call instead of emailing back and forth, you know, a whole bunch of times or um, saying, Hey, I have 30 minutes or whatever it is. So let them know, like, you know, build an out in like, Hey, this is what we need to get done. I have 45 minutes or an hour or whatever you have. Let's knock it out. And then you, you literally built yourself an out and you don't have to tell them what you're doing next or anything like that. But like that helps that situation out because then they know like you got to get down the business. We're not doing small talk. We're not chilling. Like we're like, hitting the road running and like, and showing up prepared, you know? And I think that's the other piece is like, what do you need to prepare ahead of time? Um, do you need to bring something? Do you have to have copies? Do you have to have a Google doc open? Do you need a projector? Like whatever it is that you need so that as soon as you get there, you're like gunning it. Cause that's, that's how I, I do it. Um, Summer Tate is saying, I am a new ELA and business or a social studies teacher, and I love your videos. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Um, I have a student who has severe anxiety. He only came into my class because I have a desk that faces the wall, wondering how I can help him. I would say that's really, that's a weird, like, like thing that they were like, here, you have a desk that faces the wall. You can have this kid. Um, so I would say this, first of all, Sometimes, let me say this, and this, this might help and this might not, but then I have a, a piece of advice that is going to help. I think sometimes when folks, like, it can make us anxious that our students are anxious. It can make us feel anxious if I've had a student whose um, sibling has died or whose mom has cancer or their parent is, you know, um, like, in jail or, like, they're in foster care. And that can make the job very, very daunting. And this is for any part of the job. Whenever you have like kids that are really, really troubled, 
instead of focusing on that, I think it is a really good rule of thumb to just remember the help that you will provide. That even if you don't fix that kid, you can be you can be like the person that's accepting, that never gets tired of it, that is always open to it, that always wants to help, that you're not like, just like not helping this kid with dyslexia or like this child that has like um, OCD, like I just can't get through to them. Like you're just being accepting and not making them feel bad about what they have going on is huge. And I think that that is part of the game, right? Now, obviously you want to be able to help them. And so I think for that particular student, I would say one, when no one else is in the room, maybe it's a little bit ahead of time. Maybe it's a little bit after school say, what can I best do for you? Like, you know, you, what can I do to best serve you? What kind of things help the best? Then maybe calling home or calling last year's teacher and saying, Hey, you obviously know your child better. You know, if calling a parent and like just admitting that they know more is a really good move. Um, cause they do, but like what best works for your kid that you've seen at home um, or asking last year's teacher the same thing. And what that's going to do is like, it's really just going to help you figure out um, quicker what works better instead of like trial and error and trying to figure that stuff out on your own. Um, and I think it builds a community around it. Like you're now connected to the parent, you're connected to last year's teacher and you're working as a community uh, to lift this kid up. And then just reminding them like, I'm really glad that you're here today. I'm so thrilled. Like I'm, I'm thrilled that they put you in my class. And even if you have to like, even if you're not thrilled yet, like you're totally nervous about it, just letting people know that you're glad they're there changes things. And so I had one of my homies coming the other day, Kyle, and I am glad that Kyle came in, but like Kyle is the kind of dude that like, Kyle might've had a, a more difficult time if you went to a different school, but because he's so kind and kind when you're a teenager, like doesn't help you all the time. But when Kyle came in the other day, I made sure to tell him like three times, like literally makes my day to see you. Like you're such a great dude with such a great heart that you, and you never like let that get dampered by anyone else. I just think that is such an amazing thing. And I'm so glad that you're here. It makes my day that you're here. And then just to see Kyle smile from that is awesome. And so I just, you know, I, I think telling people how stoked you are that they're there, it helps also. Um, the more you grow is asking, I had another question. What's your lesson plan development routine look like? What kind of tips do you have for that? My master project is actually developing a course and lesson plans um, have been a challenge. So when I think about lesson planning, I do this. Uh, it's one of the only times in the year I use a planner. And I will take like um, a big, like I'll go to Staples and you buy like one of those big desk pads, right? That has like all the dates on it because I need more room to write. And I'll buy those. They're like $7 or $10 or something like that. And I first go through, and in college, this might not be an issue, but I, go with me on this. I'd write in all the dates that we don't have school, that there's a parent-teacher conference, that there's a PD, that there's, you know, winter break or, you know, whatever it is that's coming up. And so you know what you're working with. You know how many full weeks you have in a row and where those little weird days are. I then write in things like if every Monday I'm interested introducing vocabulary and every Friday I'm doing a vocab test I write all of those things in there I write when I want a quiz in there and all of the tests in there right which some of those dates are kind of arbitrary so I just like make sure that I assess my students like once every two weeks on something in the book just to review for understanding then as an English teacher I want to take a book and if the book is 400 pages or whatever and I know all of my units are always five weeks it's just how I do it um, I divide the number of days that I have by the number of pages in the book. So I can see how many pages do I have to get through per day or per week to be able to finish the book on time. And so that gives me a jumping off point. And then I start filling in the dots of like, all right, well, if we're reading up to this point in Lord of the Flies, do I want to focus on symbolism? And so how can I focus on symbolism with those pages? Then maybe like, during like chapter three or so, like when Jack and Ralph really start going at it, I want to talk about conflict and then I can, you know, so then you can 
like introduce those lessons on conflict because you know what's going on in the book and you're going to make it actually like relevant to the book. And so that's like in short how I start like pasting those things together. Uh, Justin Hayden is saying, do you ever run centers in your class? If so, any type of, uh, any tips on how to manage centers? You are personally working sometimes in class. And the way I work that out is I let kids know exactly how much time they have left or how much time they're going to have on the front end. When you know there's a ticking clock, it makes you work better. It makes you not, it doesn't feel like um, there's 15 minutes and you're just like, ah, all right. And then the kids are just chilling. And they're like, oh, snap, we have two minutes left. Like, and then they're hustling. I would say like, all right, you have 15 minutes for this portion, five minutes in. You have about five minutes, like we're five minutes in, there's about 10 minutes left. Don't let that make anyone nervous or make you anxious. Just know that that's about what time you have. And if you need my help, call me over and I'll help you out. I feel like letting kids know how much time it, it really like amplifies their work. Um, and the other thing is set your expectations um, where kids know like, hey, look, just so you know, like I'm not over top of you, not because I, there's not enough of me but because I'm trusting you guys. And when you trust kids and let them know you trust them, like I never give bathroom passes and I'm not saying everyone should do this. When I send a kid to the bathroom, I just trust that you're going to do the right thing. I don't have to write you a piece of paper or give you some weird, like, you know, thing to carry like stuffed animal or what. I don't know. I never actually Charms. gave a kid the stuff. To All of it is nasty. So um, <laughs> plus, yeah, that's gross. It's like you take a thing to the bathroom, bro. And then like you touch it while you're going to the bathroom. You don't wash it when you're done. Like it's like you wash your hands. Um, so I just trust kids. And like my mom always told me, I trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. And then maybe remind them, like, not all teachers do this. And you're not trying to crap on other teachers, but like not everyone trusts you. I'm trusting you. Like, own that. Own that that trust. Um, Amanda teaches is saying, have you applied for any education grants? Any tips on ideas for specific grants to apply or how to actually apply for them? Um, I haven't, but people have done it on my behalf. And so here's my lesson for this is that I know my strengths. I know what I'm good at. And I know at this point what I'm not good at. And I think that's a really good thing, good place to be. So if I want a grant, if I want, um, you know, certain, I don't know if I want to like, set up Google classroom. Like there's just certain things like I just can't, I don't, I can't figure it out. I don't want to figure it out. I want to learn it because I'm busy doing other stuff. Partner with somebody else and see if like they can help you out. Just like there's tons of folks in my class or my school that do not know how to wield a hammer or a drill or hang something up with wall anchors. I'm the guy, like I'm the guy that they come to. And then I build things for them or help them with stuff. And then you are part of a community and then just, I feel like learning how to use that community to that. So it benefits you and the students and everyone involved. So all of that to say, I would ask somebody that actually knows that question because I don't, but there's a reason I don't. Um, Kimberly Wallback is saying, how can you promote a good relationship with the principal? Um, so, you know, that's tricky, right? Because so many principals are so different. I've had a lot of different types of principals in my life. And I think, gosh, um, thinking about how you, it's, oh, all right, let me say this. In any relationship, if I think, if you're having a hard time in your relationship, you are putting all the focus on you, right? So if I have a problem with my wife, um, and I feel like she's making me feel a certain way, or she never does this thing for me, or like I let her kind of sort of know that I wanted meatloaf for dinner and she never makes it, like, First of all, being very clear and not assuming that anyone knows anything. And then two, how can you serve the other person without ever expecting they're going to serve you? Now, they're going to, right? Like you never, you can't just do nice stuff for people all the time and they're never going to notice it or never going to do something nice for you. But I think putting the focus on how can you kind of serve, how can you help, um, what what role can you play in the positive Um is really going to set the tone really nicely. So that's how I would do it is like, Hey, go to your principal. Is there, is there anything you need? Or do you need an extra chaperone? Or do you need help? Or like, how's everything going? Um, instead of waiting for that kind of stuff to happen to you. Uh, Justin Incredible Studios, I really like that name, says, 
how would you approach a student not interested in the subject you are teaching? Um, this happens all the time. I've actually, I have parents every year back to school night come into my room and they go, uh, hey, Mr. Reynolds, can I talk to you for a minute? And I already know, I know exactly what they're going to say. Just so you know, my son hates reading. He never reads books. Of course he doesn't. He's a teenage boy. There's like five in the world that really like reading. Like they don't love reading. But you know what? That's because they never had my class before. And that's what I tell them. I Sure, I get cocky about it because my students respond to cockiness. So I tell them that I have tips and tricks that I'm going to use. It's going to make your kid like reading. And then they're not even, they're not, they might not even want to like it, but it's going to be like, oh, damn it. I kind of liked today. Like I liked that we read as with the book as a play. I like that we worked in that group. I like that we presented. I like that Reynolds plays music behind certain parts of the reading to make it more fun. I like when Mr. Fines and Mr. Reynolds read aloud in class with us. I like when we act parts out when we're reading the play, standing in front of the class, wearing a beard and wielding a knife, which I ordered a knife this year that I thought was a play knife and it turns out it wasn't and it looks dangerous as hell. So I have to return that. But um, I just think, find like letting kids know like you never had my class before bro um or asking what is it that you don't like about it like you know it's boring um well what's boring about it like what would you if this was the perfect class and you knew you had to take it but what would make it the best um asking kids that with no restrictions like what would make history the greatest history class in the, in the history of history classes what do you got for me and then Find out, do they like trips? Do they like speakers? Do they like interaction? Like, what do they want to do? And then show them, like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to actually use it. I want to make the class you've always wanted to be in. Uh, poo, I don't know if I can say this. Baha, this looks like, is this, I don't know if I can say your name. It's uh, Bahama Mashana. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, but if I'm, and I, uh, oh, you just want to say it right and like throw it in my face. <laughs> Look at you. You don't know how to say anything. Uh, this set, I go the it's first one, then the second yeah, one. Okay. My focus is math, but I was discussing with an English lit teachers to incorporate uh, November novel writing month activities in their classrooms, but was shot down. They said that it was impossible to include that into the curriculum for an entire month. What are your thoughts? So incorporating. Let me say that again. With the English teacher to incorporate November novel writing month activities in their classroom, it was shut down. I would say, look, it's nothing's impossible, right? It's just that they don't want to do it. But what are they willing to do, right? So, like, if I go to someone and I say, yo, here's my plan. This is what my dream. I'm super stoked about. I came up with this idea. Here's what I want to do. And then if they say no, say, okay, well, look, I really think this is important. How can we? Like, what are you willing to do? Like, what can we do together? And then just see what they say there. And if they totally shoot it down, then, you know, like, maybe go to somebody else and work with them. But like, um, maybe they'll say, well, you know, I, don't, I, I like the idea, too. I think it's important. But th I have this amount of days or I have this amount of time. So maybe they can give you um, like a day a week or two days a week or a certain set of minutes every day in their class. Like, that's what I would do is go back to them and say, all right, look don't want to do that fair enough like it's your class also but how can we how can we make this work like is this something that we can do together um and then if that doesn't work tell them like i, I think flattery is a good move like hey i think your class is awesome i think you think you're doing great stuff i think we'd work really well together how can we make this happen and then no it's harder to say no if somebody tells you that you're awesome um ryan smith is saying is the education system as bad as everyone says I've heard it's uh, I've heard it's the reason why a lot of teachers are trying to get out of it. Um, yeah. Richard Royster had some good comments. Oh, of course, Richard Royster had some good questions no, or comment. good comments because um, he seems like an awesome principal. Um, I would say, you know, short answer. Yes. Here's why. There's not enough money. There's not enough resources. There's too many kids in the classroom. There's you know, um, schools are like not safe, like to go to, which is why we have all this crazy stuff that happens in there. Um, we don't have like administration doesn't back teachers. Teachers get too 
pigheaded and don't want to change anything because it's like not part of their contract or something like that. Like there's that kind of, it's always, it's the us versus them thing. All of that stuff happens. There's not enough like, like real um, learning around like teaching kids who they are and how to deal with their feelings and how to deal with like how to be vulnerable and how to be like school's not a safe space for well, people. Um, what do you, what do you, I always it? say social emotional. Yeah. There's like no like social emotional development in a lot of schools, but guess what, man? Like that's been every job. Like I look, here's the bottom line. Here's where they get me. This is where like schools don't have to change, I guess, because I like just keep showing up or something like that. But you know, it's, I know why I'm there. I know what I'm doing. I'm, I like the challenge of making something from nothing. I like when they tell me that my budget got cut. Yeah. It pisses me off, but it's also like, all right, man, how are we going to figure this out? What are we going to do now? Like what, how are we going to make sure the kids get what they need despite the broken system? Because if we just all leave the system, then like what, what happens to it? Then I'm not going to go start my own school or just like start tutoring on the corner or something like that. Um, I want, I know what these kids need and that's what I'm going to try to give them to the best of my ability. And so, yes, it's broken, but guess what, man, every job I've ever had, somebody's hated it. When I sold, when I worked the early shift at the movie theater and sold tickets to two people that came in, there were people that hated that job. I thought it was the shit. When I worked at um, Home Depot on the early shift coming in at five o'clock in the morning. It was the best. I just decided I was going to do more work than everyone else. I was going to be more helpful to people than everyone else. And the aisles I was given to take control of were like going to be picture perfect. Um, I just have decided in my life that things I was going to do were going to work because I was going to work harder, work smarter, and do a really great job than most other people were willing to. Not better than everyone because I'm just not as good as some other people, but like, um, I think that that's where it comes into. So yeah, it's messed up, but everything's messed up. Guess what? Marriage is messed up. Having kids is messed up. Owning a car is messed up. Owning a house is messed up. Health like insurance. health insurance. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to like like give my all to those things. I just am deciding to empower myself, to give myself the, the ability to make the best out of it, no matter what. And I think that is the best. Rebecca Waltz, uh, Rebecca Waltz is asking... I taught three years in a private school and now I'm in public. Kids are taking way longer to get ready for class and quieting down. I don't like to yell, but I can get loud. My Jersey girl comes out. Oh yeah, Jersey. Um, any tips? So private school now in public. I would say that's really funny because my friend Randy went from teaching at my school to teaching at a private school out in California. And he's like, the moment I begin to speak, everyone's quiet and looking at me. And I thought, what is that like, bro? Um, look, I think one, it's going to take a little bit of time, right? It's going to take time to figure out those kids and for them to realize that like, you're there, right? Like you're new and they're, they're not sure who you are yet. Right. Um, I do tricks. Like I'm just super consistent. Like I, I, I do things like I count down at the beginning of class when I need kids to get quiet. I let them know that what I'm saying is important that I'm keeping it short and succinct and to the point so that I'm not wasting their time. So I, I'm not going to talk forever. So while I'm talking, I need you hundred percent quiet and dialed into what I'm saying. But when you're talking, I will make sure everyone else is quiet and dialed in on what you're saying as well. I do things like when a kid wants to just keep talking, I don't shy away from anyone. I look, I give that dude my best dad stare like, bro, what are we, what are we doing right now? And I'll call them out on it. I think building relationships with kids. So when, and this takes time, but like that kid, that's the biggest problem, like saying what's up in the hallway. Like what you're doing is like saying what's up in the hallway, saying what's up at lunch, saying what's up after school, pulling them aside if you need to, letting them know that you're glad that they're there because then you're making the invisible visible and you're building a connection. And it's a lot harder to diss someone that you have a connection with. The reason I can yell at someone that's cuts me off on the road it's because i don't know that dude but if i knew it was my buddy that just cut me off on the road or it was like a friend from down the block i wouldn't curse at them probably but um that's what you want to do those are the, the little things and if that fails go to kohl's and buy an eight dollar megaphone like i did and that thing you're not i don't talk through it all the time but it it like startles kids it's not the same beginning to class that the kids are used to and i think that 
that's how I win a lot of times. It's like when I talk to kids, the whole concept of real rap came out of like, I'm going to talk to you in a real honest and clear way. And that wins because you're it's not the same old talk, the same old teacher or parent talk that you've been given all your life. And so when I, you know, talk to a megaphone, nobody saw that coming and it's awesome. Um, so that's what I would do, but it's going to just take time. Just give yourself the time. It'll be all right. You'll be just as good as you always were in that other school, if not better. Ari Flores is asking, I have one question. Okay. That's all you get. Um, it's just actually, you already asked the question. Do you have two questions? I'm just saying, uh, the question is how difficult is it for foreigners to get a teaching job in the U S any tips or recommendations? Um, I think one that's going to depend where you're from and also where you want to teach. Like I'm not an expert in this, but um, I know from experience that like, I just had this conversation. Uh, friends of ours are from India. They live next door and they just got here. Like uh, his family just got here a few months ago. It was actually very easy for them to get uh, a, not, not a green card. What were they getting? A visa, whatever. Like they're allowed to stay in the country. Right. Um, but I've had, when I taught in Africa, I wanted to have students come from Zambia into the U.S. And I was told there's no chance they were going to let them in because um, there wasn't enough incentive for them to go back. So it, sometimes it depends on where you're coming from. Um, I don't I don't have a super good answer for that. So like uh, Richard Royster is answering on the side here. So check his answer out. And if anybody else has like some connection to that, like how difficult is that or what does that process look like? If you could leave it in the comments, that would really um that would help Ariel. Leo Elliot. Leo Elliot is saying, did you think that some teachers think that, wait, do you think, wait, it's moving, sorry. Do you think that some teachers think that some teachers think that kids who go to the counselor uh, are nuisance? Um, I think, let me think, jeez. I don't, as a rule, I, my wife would, would agree with me on this. I try not to speculate what anyone's ever thinking or feeling, uh, which drives my wife nuts because sometimes she's just like, once she's laughing at me now. She'll want to have a conversation about like, what did you think they meant by that? Do you think they are mad? Do you think they're, you think they liked what we gave them? I don't care. Like, I just like, am, you know, I, my job is to give gift. And then I just, my expectations are done after that. Uh, I would say, I would focus on this instead, Leo. What are... What is the imp importance of the kids going to the the counselor? Like, if it's important, then they should just go, and then you should support the kids. Like, let them know that you think it's important, you think it's okay. Um, and if you are the counselor, and like you're worried about like our teachers annoyed that like kids are like coming to you, like touch base with those teachers. Hey, I know that they you know, say something like. I know that they missed your class today. I'm, I really, really appreciate it because they were going through something and I really needed to talk to them. I've had kids come talk to me before and they've missed an entire period of someone else's class. I do not like doing that. But if someone has like an awful day, like the worst, like somebody in their family is sick or died, or I've had kids that like have gotten a call or a text in the middle of the day saying that someone died and now they're just rocked. I can't let you go through the rest of the day. And if no one else is around, I got to be the point person. So I'll talk to them and then I'll go to that next teacher and say, hey, look, man, this is what just went down. And I could not send this kid into your class because I felt like he was going to explode. No, how do you, what, is someone going to get mad at you for that? Like, well, we had a very important test and I'm sorry someone died at their house. But like, you know, what's most, what the kids are what the job's all about anyway. That's I think how you should like remind yourself of that when those things are going on. Amanda teaches is saying, if you weren't a teacher or working in education, what type of job do you think you would go after? Well, I've always wanted to ride on the back of a trash truck, but I don't think that that's the job that I would want because I don't like working outside anymore. I've had too many of those jobs. I think um, I would counsel students. I would be some sort of like uh, therapist for students that like um, – I would love, I would love to provide, like, I just think that like most of my students could use therapy. I think most of us could use therapy. Um, and I would love to provide like free or seriously reduced, like, uh, 
therapy for kids that like can't afford it. Right. I think, so it's essentially the same kind of stuff I'm doing now, but like now I do it through the lens of English. Um, I would be doing it just for, for, to help people be the best version of themselves. That sounded very Oprah of me. Hmm. Um, Last question, Sammy Johnson. All right. Sammy Johnson is saying, how do you handle going to work sick when you absolutely cannot take off? Uh, I think this is, first of all, learn, this is a really great lesson you're about to learn. When you go in sick, tell your students that you're sick. I had a time where I had an, I needed a root canal. I went into school. I felt like my face was going to explode. I couldn't even, I couldn't handle it. I've had other times where every year, for some reason, like after the first or second week, I think because I'm not used to talking that much, um, I lose my voice. Like I'm not sick. I just can't talk. And I let the kids know they are always, always empathetic every single time without fail. And if they're not, like if there's that one kid in your class that wants to like act up, your school, your other dudes are all gonna have your back. They'll be like, yo, what are you doing? You can't even talk right now. Don't make them yell. And that always works. And then give them work that they're gonna have to guide themselves through. And it actually ends up being a really great lesson that the kids see that they don't, you don't need to be in charge of everything all the time. You can simply facilitate things provide the learning and the kids are going to teach one another or teach themselves. And it's a really wonderful opportunity. Um, but I think letting the kids know like, Hey, look, I'm like, I'm here because I care about you guys. And I didn't want to take the day off and stick you with the sub, which sucks. But like, I need to check for the day because like, I'm, I'm feeling like crap. So I'm going to sit at my desk. If you absolutely need something, let me know. But like, this is where we're at right now. And kids, you'll see, you will a hundred percent win. I, I don't even doubt it. And I don't make very many absolute um, points on, on this channel, but like, that's one of them. Listen, it's an hour and six minutes in. I got to cut it off because I got to get ready for work tomorrow. Um, and I have a lot of stuff to do still, which I don't like doing this late in the game, but um, Hey, if you have any questions and I did not answer them and you need an immediate response, please email me and I'll try and get back to those. Um, I've been doing emails about twice a week. So I, like I never get, I rarely get back to someone right away. I did surprise somebody the other day with that though. But um, please just let me know, shoot me an email and, uh, or ask Richard Royster. You can go over to his channel and ask him. He's the principal doing his own channel on YouTube. And like, um, it is pretty awesome. The idea of like a principal doing that. So like you can check him out on, on YouTube also. And that's it gang. Uh, thanks so much for watching. I really, really appreciate it. Peace.